This episode of the Gentleman Scofflaw podcast is brought to you by Patreon and the Gentleman Scofflaw merchandise page. Go to gentlemanscofflaw.com. In the menu, click the support or shop links to help support the show. You are listening to the Gentleman Scofflaw podcast. Listener beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open I ain't got time for moping I best be on my way Well, I still got time to save my reputation Time to go day drinking in this dirty little town Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Gentleman's Scofflaw Podcast, uh, your podcast for the rebel and the renaissance man. I'm your host, Jordan Crowder. Co-hosting with me in person is Donovan Fowler, and co-hosting all the way in the Great White North is Johnny Boy. How are you guys doing? Doing awesome. Well, how are you fine fellows? I'm good. I'm good. But we got to, you know, we got to start off with the housekeeping. Oh, yeah, we do. We always do. Housekeeping. Um, What are you drinking there, John? Stella Artois again. Stella Artois. Always a always yeah. a solid choice. Always a good standby. You, yep. you get a big case yep. in the fridge and you you know, you polish one back a week and it lasts you, you know. Twenty four weeks. It's like it's, <laughs> it's like the uh the uh what's uh the, the character from Seinfeld, the public library. Who doesn't have coffee? You leave it in the you leave it in the pan you, you get some instant coffee, you leave it in the pantry, it never goes back. <laughs> you remember that? Mr. Bookman. Mr. Bookman, yeah. He's like, you wear a pair of shoes when you enter the New York Public Library. Um anyway, I don't know why that made me think of that. What are we what are we drinking here? Easy Donovan? easy nineties reference from yeah. Jordan Crowder. Um I am uh I'm currently imbibing from some Evan Williams. Uh which is always a good go-to, which I think you are as well. Yeah, let's, let's uh, do a little slancha. And uh, I, I also have an empty can of Simpler Times. Empty um, can of Simpler Times. Yeah. You were pre-gaming. Um, I was. What do they? Do they say that? They say that in Quebec, right? Chin chin. What does that mean? Chin chin. Is that a French thing? Uh, I, I don't know, no, but it sounds vaguely thing. racist. It sounds like. It sounds like uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Well, the French are racist. We already like a, know that. It kind of sounds like a British thing, maybe like yeah. chin chin. Chin All right. I just um, remember my mom always said, and I am smoking my Peterson red. Dublin Sherlock pipe, and in it I've got some Frog Morton Cellar. I don't know what you just said, but that sounds it, both awesome and frightening. Frog Morton. I've now, what's, what's about the this. deal with Frog Morton Cellar? I'm smelling some different it's uh, like aromas a, here. It's like a, it's a, what they call. I, I could be wrong on this, so if somebody's a, a, a pipe smoker and I'm wrong, but it, it's an English blend, but I believe it's what they call a Balkan blend, and I don't know what the deviation is with that, but it's like, it means that it this is like a, an English blend that has a little bit of a, like a whiskey aromatic, like as you can see, there's like a whiskey barrel stave in nice. the jar, nice. and that's supposed to season it and make it taste like whiskey, but it's got the uh, Latakia, which gives it that kind of... I dare I say funky kind of barbecue kind of smell to it. Everybody knows that whiskey and uh, tobacco go very Everybody well Everybody knows Donovan prefers whiskey. an aromatic cherry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I had to make it back. Yeah, there you go. There's another callback. Um, uh, so what, what's going on in your guys' this weeks, John? Well, this week we're gearing up for what they're calling the E-Race. So Montreal... Uh, through no fault of the citizens, 
has decided to have a race for electric cars to, I guess, bookend <laughs> Sounds the F1s earlier in June. Uh, so this is supposed it, to counteract it somehow? Like, to, I, it's I like a carbon think, neutral? Let uh, me ask this. How, nobody how, asked for it. How fast <laughs> do these electric cars go? Two? <laughs> Two. I was going to say, they can't go more than, like, what, 50 miles an hour on an electric? I could be wrong. I, just I don't imagine. know. But I'm, I'm really not sure, and I don't think people in the city really care enough to find out uh it's it's kind of bookended the summer where we spent 40 million dollars on you know twenty five thousand imported italian twinkle lights for a bridge yikes wow gosh so your tax dollars at work that's right (laughs) (laughs) um i one thing i remember about growing up in montreal though is is it June or July? Is it in June when the Grand Prix is? Is that when that when it happens? Yeah, that's right. Because I remember back in elementary school, we'd go to class and the windows would be open because it'd be June and we it, it that it was that time of year, and you could hear all the cars on the racetrack doing the Grand Prix just over uh, on the island. See, that's that's why I don't yeah. understand. I went to the Long Beach uh, Grand Prix uh, recently, and it's an awesome feeling to hear yeah. those those engines and be yeah. so close yeah. to them. I yeah. mean, not great for your ears, but it, it really gets your you know heart heart beating. And to think about that replaced with the electric uh, cars, <laughs> is here's just, the difference, it, right? Think of what what you know F one cars sound like. Yeah, replace that with here. Here's Freaking what an awesome. electric race sounds like. You ready? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I knew it was I coming. Don't hear anything, John. I, knew, I knew it was coming. I don't hear anything. <laughs> or it's gonna be like that. Like whenever you hear like an old, like an old cartoon car, where it's like. <laughs> it's just gonna be clowns. Are, are, Clown are cars. clowns driving these cars? Yeah. Is that because yeah. I don't see any self self respecting racer. Well, it's funny. You're spe- uh, it's speaking of of cars. Um, this week I had to rent a car for some shoots. Um. And I picked up my, my rental um, in Glendale, my rental car. I ended up getting a Kia Soul, which I think it was pretty pretty cool little car. I didn't I was, I thought it was it was, it was a fun little car. But um, so I show up to the address. I ordered it through Priceline. I'm like, where's the rental car place? It was a, a, a budget rental. And um, it turns out it's in the actual Hilton in Glendale. So I have to go in there, go in the back, find this little kiosk. And I go through the paperwork or whatever. Super nice guys, which I don't know if you guys know, but renting from a lot of rental car places, a lot of those guys are kind of sleazebags. They're always trying to upsell you. They're always trying to... But these guys were super... Didn't do any of that. They just took my Priceline book in. It was great. Um, But then they start... They give me this little map. And they're like, all right, so you're going to go down in the garage and go down these floors. You're going to make a right here. You make a left here. You're going to go to... And so, like, there's all these... <laughs> directions to get to where the the places where my car where I'm going to rent it. So I start going down the floors. The elevator only goes so far, and then I have to walk the rest of it. And it's in. It's about maybe eleven o'clock in the morning. The garage is completely silent and very dark. So it was like I and I start going down the rungs, going down kind of the spiral downstairs, and for some reason. Like there are three levels and it's all cars from like from the twenties through the fifties. Wait, no way, just really? Just sitting there in the dark. Oh, but you know what? 
I bet it's storage. I bet it is, but yeah. I, it was so weird. It was so silent. It was dark, and it was all these old cars. It so, felt like a Twilight Zone so now episode. I know, so now I know where to go if North Korea launches an intercontinental <laughs> ballistic missile. Yeah, but it was it was like so weird. Like I had never experienced anything like that. It was That's, silent. Nobody really else weird. was around, and I'm just walking, hearing my footsteps with all these kind of like ghost cars <laughs> sitting in the garage. And then I come to this, finally get to the little like the little budget uh, rental and place. Henry Henry Ford is waiting. <laughs> No. And there's this there's this guy there's this guy that has like the gate open like in this little corner and um on it is a big framed picture of the Pope and then there's this little like uh, Wait, no way. Old, yeah, a frame, a frame picture, picture of the, of the Pope. Pope. Oh my god which Pope? Uh the, the current Francis. Pope. And then, the new one. And then there was like on the little gate, like the what do you call it? Not chicken wire, but like the chain link yeah. like that's holding it up. There's a bunch of like different polo sh- like all like polo shirts up hanging up there like this is like I guess his uniform where he changes his uniform <laughs> and a little like uh, used like computer chair that had a Better Homes and Gardens magazine on it. Oh my gosh. It was the weirdest experience. Sounds like this guy's living the life. <laughs> he is, yeah. Sounds like uh, the janitor in Die Hard 2. <laughs> yes! Oh my god! <laughs> it was really funny. Such it was quite an experience. Reference. Wait, wasn't that guy all about like uh, tapes or something? Didn't he have like music or he something? He had records. Lots yeah. of records. Yeah, that's what it was. I haven't seen yeah. Die Hard 2 in so long. But yeah, it Die was, Hard. I don't know. I thought it was like such an interesting experience. Like it was the most interesting rental car experience I've ever had. Because usually like you a- go in, you're like, which car do you want? And I'm like, I want the one I ordered on Priceline. Like, yeah, but uh, you like any of these? I'm like, no, I want the one that costs, uh, you know, $140 for the week. And they're like, okay, okay. Uh, you want the insurance? No, I, I've got insurance. And they always try like, okay, you know, you want the gas? If you go up the street, it's going to be more expensive. I'm like, I know. No, it's not more expensive. <laughs> like, Dude, I live here. <laughs> and it's always a miserable experience. But this this was like it was it was the customer service was great. Even the little guy, you know, the the, the little the little guy with the Pope picture was great. But it was just such a strange a strange sounds rental like car. A, experience. It sounds like a trip through automobile limbo. Yeah, it was. Something. I mean, I, maybe they, that's where they store them for all the all the movies out here. Who that knows? must be. I, I I totally I could totally see that. Let's go to another segment we call Sir Crowder's Restroom Review of the Week. Oh dear. This restroom review is for a little place again in Burbank. Um <laughs> Burbank is the place to Bur- go take Bur- a Burbank is I tell you, Burbank is the place for restrooms. If you're looking for say you're you're stuck on the freeway, you know, and you really gotta go and uh Burbank's, you know, you, you can take a Burbank exit. Just take a Burbank exit and uh go anywhere in Burbank and you'll find an interesting restroom. If you're looking to relieve yourself, <laughs> head on up to Burbank. So uh it's for a place called Play Clothes, which is a vintage clothing store on Magnolia in Burbank. Sounds like a child's clothing <laughs> store. It does. Um but they sell actual like gen- Genuine articles, and I said genuine because it's, I, I'm feeling very Parks 90s today. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> all right, here we go. This restroom is possibly the holiest of restrooms in Los Angeles County. The portraits of our Lord surrounding the throne will give you both a sense of peace and and possibly stage fright as you take care of your human needs. How you do your business is seriously challenged when you're suddenly aware that the creator of the universe is watching. Four stars for this quaint washroom and spiritual awakening. So this restroom, you go in there, the walls are covered in framed uh, 
portraits of Jesus. So hmm. I just uh, hmm. it makes you it make it really re, you, you reevaluate um, how you do your business. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Larry David have this issue and he had too I, powerful I was just of a stream? Say. Oh yeah, 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 the spatter. That's that's where it becomes an issue, right? The spatter. Uh, I I'll, I'll say I will say this. I don't think it's the right place for religious art. No. I've never seen a church with a a picture like like churches don't even put pictures of Jesus or statues. The, the church I used to go to in Dallas had uh, had uh, dogs playing poker. Yeah, <laughs> above the yeah. Urinals. See, that's what you do. You you put <laughs> the stuff nobody wants to look at in there. <laughs> so maybe if like maybe if it's like that terrible like uh, religious art that looks like fan fiction from the Bible. <laughs> Maybe that's what you put like in the those bathroom. those candles you buy at the dollar store. Yeah, uh, it's like yeah. that kind of stuff. Well, I'm not going <laughs> to... Let's not let's not knock our neighbors to the south in Mexico who make those candles. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it's a cultural thing. I'm pretty sure those are made in China. All right. Now it's time for... Listener Mail. So this is the part of the show um, where you, the listener, interacts with us, the show. Um, and you can interact with uh, with us several different ways. The main way is through iTunes. If you write us a review on iTunes, you'll get featured on the show, as well as all the social media platforms. Uh, you know what? Are, what are the social media platforms there, John? We got uh, uh, we got the the iTunes, YouTube, uh, all the, the Twitters, the the, the Twitter, the Twitters, and and the the Facebook, the Facebook, and. Uh, the Insta pictures. Why is it immediately whenever you add the in front in front of something, it sounds out of completely out of touch? Because I don't know, but know it's why? funny every time. You know why? why? Because Justin Timberlake in the Social Network, he says to uh, like uh, the Mark Zuckerberg character, yep. he's like, "If you want to make it hip, <laughs> drop the the." <laughs> So, <laughs> and that's exactly how it went that's, down. That's always how it works. It's like <laughs> if you have a movie that you know they already have that title, you either drop or you add a the to it, and yeah. then it and then it becomes unique. That makes that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, Justin Timberlake's uh, brilliant acting debut. Um, but uh, so <laughs> <laughs> debut. If you if you debut, um, I should know better. I speak French. But, um, okay. yeah, so if you uh, interact with the show with us, this is not only helps with our, our search rankings, with our iTunes, you know, bumping us into the in the right rankings we need, but it also gives us stuff to talk about on the show. Helps it, us check ourselves. It's like, uh, you know, I, I got an improv background, and it's like what they call prompts. What are your prompts? You know, what are your suggestions from the audience? Prompts. Help me, baby. Your interactions are the suggestions. All right, so Prompt let's, us. let's go to the... Uh, the first iTunes review there, uh, John. What does it say? All right, this one's from JSS BSS, and it says, just "I just watched episode just three with Matt Paxton and laughed so hard. I love how authentically funny these guys are. I think y'all are onto something here." I have two questions. How did you watch it, and how did you get Matt Paxton to watch it with you? (laughs) (laughs) 
just watched episode three with Max Paxton. That's like a that's a comma placement, I think. But yeah, how did? Uh, but how? Yeah, I want to know, guys, guys, guys. I think these details are important. I think the most important thing is that whoever this just biz is, they gave us five stars. Yeah. Well, thank you, just biz. Um, I'm a little bit concerned though. How did you watch us? How do you watch us? Are you mm. are you tapping into our webcam when or we record? Perhaps, perhaps <laughs> uh, this person was outside, our, like the window when we were doing no, it. No, I don't know. That that kind of makes me a little makes me a little bit concerned. Little for bit my concerned there. Oh, yeah. well, all right. Well, what is uh, what is that next comment from YouTube say there, Donovan? All right. So uh, this is from Eric Butler, and. Uh, Oh wow! Okay, so he he's gonna go. I'm gonna go Irish on this. He did. He did censor himself. He did censor himself. Right. But I'm gonna go Irish, so you can okay. believe me if, if okay. possible. So he says, "Great feckin' show, guys." Uh, so in other words, the U has been dropped. Okay. The past few have been extremely listenable. Uh, parentheses. Not that the first were not good. <laughs> they were good too. In parentheses. So I keep saying, "Keep it up. Getting better and better." Slayer. There's a lot of exclamation points. Wait, well, yeah, with a lot of exclamation points. What? What? What is? Uh, what's with Slayer? Well, thank. I don't know. I don't. I don't. What is Maybe it? He is wants it, is this like to, a millennial term, like a young millennial term that I don't get yet, like I, Slayer. Uh, I'm not sure, but it sounds tough, and I like it. Scufflaw-esque. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. Yeah. Um, well. Thank you, and we're glad that it's become extremely listenable. We're glad that 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 that's the bar we have hit is listenable to the extreme <laughs> my dad my dad listens to it he does and if he listens to it then it's a uh it's that's like that's like a thumbs up for him. what did he think of uh when we talked about him censoring the videos Dave? oh he I, I, I actually it's funny i got that i got that through the grapevine from my little brother yeah that like he had listened to that episode yeah and i think he really enjoyed it oh, that's because good. i mean that was you know that was of course a labor of love on his yeah. part but uh, you know, to hear to hear about that down the road is yeah. uh, you know that's funny. My my dad listens too, and he'll text me like um, like stuff like uh, like John will make a reference. He's like, "How did you not get that reference? I got it." And then he'll text John, "I got your reference." <laughs> that's right, in my day, by the way, man. <laughs> all right, again, send us your feedback at Jen Scofflaw on all the social media, and leave us a review on iTunes for a chance to get read on the show. Let's go to a quick break and we'll be back with actor, author, veteran, filmmaker, Isaiah Stratton. Now, this segment is brought to you by Audible.com. Now, for those of you who already listen to podcasts, you probably already know about Audible.com. And maybe you've tried it or maybe you haven't, but here's a good opportunity for you to try Audible.com for free and help support the Gentleman's Scofflaw podcast. So if you go to audibletrial.com slash gentscofflaw, you could sign up for a whole month for free, get your free audio book, and uh, that that helps support us. That affiliate link helps support the show. So if you like listening to podcasts, you probably uh, you probably like listening to audiobooks. It's pretty much the same thing, except you know probably something a little bit smarter and and a little more life uh, affirming than uh, what you listen to on the Gentleman's Golf Club podcast. Sorry. Um, but you can listen to all sorts of books. I recommend uh, the Art of Manliness by Brett McKay. Uh, you could that, you can get that for free as as your, as your free trial. You can really download any book you want to on there. So go to audibletrial.com dot com slash gentscofflaw. 
There are tens of thousands of titles. I mean, why not? Uh, why not get some knowledge in you, right? Right? I mean, I mean, if you're, you know, you're driving, driving to work, you know, why get mad in traffic? Why do that, right? Why, why not just listen to something that fills your brain? You know, fills your brain and your soul. Or you know, uh, maybe you're you're mowing the lawn, right? That's not fun to do. Mowing the lawn's not fun at all, right? But if you're if you're listening to an audiobook, you're like, ah, oh, this is not not so bad. I can do this. At least I'm uh, at least I'm learning something, or at least I'm being entertained, right? So you know, audibletrial.com/slash/jenscofflaw, and uh, sign up today, and uh, you know, tweet at us. Let us know what book you get. Because uh, I'm always, always looking for new uh, book recommendations. All right, now back to the show. All right, I'm excited to have this guest. Uh, we've worked together, and uh, the first time I knew him, uh, it, it was as an actor. But he's also an author, a veteran, a poet, a pianist. I think I said that right, and a filmmaker. <laughs> Isaiah Stratton, thank you for coming on. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, yeah, I love, I, I love hearing people say that word, pianist. Pianist. <laughs> yeah, there's. Uh, was it the comedian? I think Owen oh, Benjamin, yeah, the giant pianist, the giant pianist. He's like six five that's or something, his, and he's got and he's a musical comedy guy. Um, it's a uh, it's that's always a funny word. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, i I met you what two, two three years ago. I think. Yeah, as I think it was Popeye two years ago. Yeah, we, sh- we shot a movie together two uh, two or three years ago. Um, but you've been been killing it as an actor, and you're so busy. Like you got to stop being doing so much because you're making <laughs> all the rest of us look bad. <laughs> <laughs> you were a marine, and now you're an actor. How does that mm-hmm. happen? What's what's the, what's the career trajectory that made that happen? <laughs> Well, I guess going back before that, I've been acting since I was young. It wasn't something that I started after the Marines. Okay. Uh, I mean, all the way back from being the narrator in my kindergarten school play. You know, <laughs> it just started way back there, which I'm sure there's videotapes somewhere my parents have, but hopefully they'll never surface. <laughs> um, but that continued on through speech and theater stuff all the way through middle school and high school and writing as well. Um, and uh, dad encouraged us all to write, you know, I was able to actually place nationally in a veterans of foreign wars essay contest, uh, my senior year of high school. And I won oh, the wow. state of Ohio, got to go to Washington DC to the white house, meet president Bush. Oh wow. wow. Um, so the writing and acting stuff have kind of been going on, you know, for my whole life and yeah. the military just always been something that's been interesting to me. And I, kind of made the decision if I was going to do it, I wanted to go into the hardest branch. And if I was going to do it, it's going to go all out. That's why I went with the Marines. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, yeah, I went, went through reserves right out of high school. Um, you know, nothing much was going on, you know, to date myself, get my age. You know, I graduated August 24, 2001 from boot camp right before September 11th happened. Wow. Oh, so wow. everything kind of blew up right after that. Wow. Um, but yeah, so I guess I'm kind of getting back around to, where I ended up yeah. back in the, the acting career after the military, uh, did the reserves through college, you know, trained different areas in the U S and came around the end of my senior year of college. They told us our whole unit was going to be going overseas. So we put everything on hold, told the family, told everybody. And then the next month they came back and said, Hey, we're not going anymore. They took everybody they needed from California instead. So 
<laughs> there I was with nothing, graduated college with nothing to do, nothing set up as <laughs> people do. And, uh, but they needed guys up at Quantico up okay. in Virginia. So I, I went up there on active duty for six months. And while I was there, this kind of dovetails into the acting thing as well. They were doing a casting call for Clint Eastwood's flags of our fathers. They oh, wanted wow. military guys. Mm. So I went to this open casting call. Uh, it worked out time wise with me being on the base to go to that. So I went and didn't get chosen for that, but I did get chosen. The casting company called me back and we're like, Hey, we need a shoot double for this film that's shooting failure to launch for Bradley Cooper. Do you want to do that? What? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Not American so, uh, sniper. Failure to launch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you go from like I want to go be a military dude in Clint Eastwood's film, and like now I'm going to be a uh, shoot double from Goofy. So uh, yeah. So there's a couple scenes in Failure to Launch where there's you know the, their Prius is driving across a bridge. And I'm like, that's my arm hanging out the window, and that's not Bradley Cooper's. Oh man, um, you're ruining the illusion. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Oh, I have so many illusions I can ruin. We can we can ruin illusions all day. Yeah. Uh, um, so I uh, got done at Quantico, came back to Greenville. You know, was finishing out with the reserves there, and um, at that point you know, this kind of leads to where the book, my book comes in, but I was married for five years, you know, and then during that, the end of that, I was kind of thinking, you know, nothing was really clicking as far as career wise with some different corporate stuff I was doing just really wasn't enjoying corporate, uh, life wasn't clicking. So I thought, well, I'll go back in the military. And, uh, at that point, um, my relationship with my, my wife ended. And so everything kind of just went sideways at that point. Yeah. And, you know, the door just kind of shut on the military, going back in the military. Cause I wanted to go back to be a pilot Oh wow! and there's an age limit on that. Hmm. So at that point, you know, my, I was past the age limit for pilot. So I was like, well, all these doors that seemed like they made sense. Like I tried FBI. Cause I wanted to do that. Got through the first couple of rounds, didn't get picked. And I'm like, man, nothing is working out. Like, I think these are really obvious things that should work out Yeah. and they didn't. So I was like, well, I know I love acting. And at this point, you know, going back to our friend, Justin, Justin Robinson, I had done a couple short films with him. I was like, man, I love doing this. And at this point, you know, I literally, I can go live on ramen or peanut butter and take a flying leap at this point. And so that's what I did. You know, I drove up to Nashville because I had met an agent here previously. And I'm like, I'm just going to go up there and start there and see what happens. And that's where I've been here for the last five and a half years now. Wow. It's funny that acting was your fallback. You, <laughs> usually people like, I'm an actor and, you know, they have, a you know, something else they fall back on. It's like, but I'm also an accountant or <laughs> something, something like that. Yeah, you had no yeah, other yeah. choice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy because, I mean, you, you hear those those famous quotes, you know, people say from famous actors and like, if you can do anything else and be happy, go do that. Cause this is, this lifestyle is just, it literally just punches you in the face all the time. Yeah. And the, the ups seem to be less frequent than the, the downs. The downs seem to come more often, but you know, I'm like, Hey, I've lived a lot of life for where I'm at already. And I know I love to do this. So why not just keep chasing something that I love to do? Yeah. That's and I get awesome. to meet people like you, work with people like you. Awesome. <laughs> um, well, it's funny because you mentioned you moved to Nashville to do acting, which people out here, well, that's like now that makes a lot of sense because like Nashville is, it's almost like a, 
What it's like an it? entertainment hub of the yeah, but it's like uh, South. People used to it's think a of it as, Renaissance town. Yeah, people used to think of it as uh, as kind of like a just a music town, like a country music town, which is also inaccurate because all a lot of music recording and all genres happens there. But it seems yeah. like there's been this crazy, you know, um, movie industry that's popped up in Nashville. Yeah, and I mean the reason again Nashville is because when I lived in the Carolinas. Um, I had gone to an acting workshop in Atlanta okay. and the agent, my Tennessee agent was there scouting talent oh, wow. and that's where I connected with her and she connected with me and, and, you know, we, we had discussed, you know, I did a few auditions, but, you know, driving from South Carolina to Nashville when you're working full time, I just didn't have the flexibility to pursue it. Yeah. And so she said, Hey, I'm going to take you off the roster for right now, but if it opens up, your schedule opens up, let me know. We'll pursue it. So I'm like, okay, cool. And so fast forward years later, when then I decided to do it, you know, it's like, well, I already have a relationship with an agent. Because so, I mean, starting out a lot of times, getting in with a solid agent is is difficult. Yeah, for you sure. Know, especially if you don't have much on your resume. So I'm like, well, I have this relationship with this agent, so I'm just going to go to Nashville first. Yeah. And work on building my resume. So that's that's why I ended up in Nashville. You know, originally. Yeah, it's crazy too because you you're 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 working a lot. I mean, I see all the stuff that you're doing. You're in, you've been in a bunch of music videos. You're, you, you've been on the TV show in Nashville. Um, yeah. it's, 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 you could, you're, you know, actually can make a living acting outside of LA, which yeah. is, yeah. <laughs> which is, it's a good day when that can happen. Yeah. I think, cause mm-hmm. I don't know. I, 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 I think it's nice when you don't have to be forced to go to LA anymore. <laughs> LA is a little bit yeah. overrated. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's for sure. And I mean, cost of living, travel, everything's a little bit easier. I mean, obviously, the we, you know, we still get this kind of that subconscious, which is it's less, you know, because Atlanta is becoming such a huge hub. I mean, there were more films filmed in Atlanta last year than there were in L.A. So Atlanta is huge now, but it's still kind of that mentality of the Southeast actor is not quite as maybe as cool or as prepared as your New York and your L.A. actors, you know, but I think that mindset will continue to go down. As people see the caliber of actors that are working in the Southeast. Yeah, I think that's just a, that's like a, a kind of snobby West Coast, East Coast thing where they think that. Because I, cause we were talking about how we met on this short film, Popeye the Pizza Man. Um, and I remember uh, being cast in that through our friend Justin and showing up on set and being so intimidated because I'm like, oh crap, I'm in a movie with real actors that know what they're doing <laughs> and I'm somehow in this movie with you and Joe who did, you know, just a fa- such a fantastic job and you know, Justin's the real deal directing um, and I, I just remember like thinking like, this is like, these are real actors, I'm done, There's no, I'm going to ruin this thing, how am I going to get through the next few days? <laughs> well, you hit it really, really well, you know, I never felt like that or that you would just like crack us up like i could just take after take like i'm sorry i gotta go again i'm just laughing so hard right now well that was the only thing i could do was like well i guess i could i could i could be silly i mean that's what i know how to do but i mean justin also is such a great director i feel like he could pull great things out of you know anyone but uh you guys like you guys were prepared i mean you did such a great job in that role and for our listeners that haven't seen it i'm going to include the link in the show notes to the full short film um and you can you can watch it 
it. Uh, you could take a break from it and then go watch it and then come back and listen, <laughs> listen to the yeah. rest of his interview. It's a great film. Yeah. Yeah. And you should watch it because you can actually see Jordan's face and not just listen to his voice. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I, I think I've got a face for radio. But um, <laughs> yeah, I remember because like, I had seen you in some of Justin's other films and mm-hmm. uh, you were great in those. And when he said that you would be cast as Lewis in that, I was like, huh, that's an interesting choice. Just because I think of you as like, you know, you, you, you're obviously a good looking guy. Um, and I th- pictured as Lewis is kind of like this kind of meek kind of character. Like, I'm like, I feel like Isaiah's too good looking and confident to play this character. And you showed up and like it was this this complete transformation. You had that little like uh, we all had like these impotent mustaches on this. <laughs> it was so many mustaches so on that So many film. mustaches. But like it, you had totally transformed and it was like it was really fun to be able to watch you do that. Oh, thanks, man. It's really kind. Really kind. It was, yeah, I mean, that, I still, I love that character so much. And I feel, I mean, I worked really hard on it because I, when Justin told me about it, because, you know, you, you know, and he's, you spent a lot of time with him. I think I've done seven films with him now yeah, of his. And so whenever he has something going on, you know, a lot of times he'll share scripts and, we'll, you know, notes and stuff like that. And he put out a thing that he was casting. I was like, hey, man, I'd love to read for it and he's like oh i mean okay i mean i guess you know if you want to you know read for lewis and he even said that he's like i wasn't expecting <laughs> you know and i just i really just kind of had an idea what i wanted to do with with him and just really take it out there you know yeah. and uh i think it worked you know i really just fell in love with that guy and it was it was a really heavy kind of painful thing but really just cathartic in the same way to explore something that i haven't got the chance to do a lot of yeah for sure it was i mean it was great it almost i almost felt like that character like felt like it could have uh, fit in like sling blade or something like it was like yeah yeah, that's who i i mean billy bob thornton and sling blade um tom hanks and forrest gump ryan gosling and lars and the real girl like those three characters were ones that i studied a lot and where i was like stealing from for that character so i mean that they were like i love those performances yeah those are those are so great but i mean i mean you had some heavy scenes in in those movies too and you you pulled them off great and so yeah um, thanks man and it's funny because fast forward to now and i know you said you've been writing forever um but you just came out with your own short film that you wrote and directed and you did and i believe you've done a couple of them now um which is which is fantastic i mean it's 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 like it's crazy to 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 be able to see like your transformation of me just knowing you as an actor and then finding out all these other things about you you're like you're you're, you are the genuine renaissance man. <laughs> <laughs> I need, can I get that on a button? Like that I'm officially certified we'll by we'll the gentleman's gentleman Scofflaw sticker. Yeah, 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 we can do that. We'll, we'll, we'll make it up. <laughs> <laughs> Insert Napoleon Dynamite fist bump. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I feel like there's that there's that thing of you, you have to be stretching yourself. Cause if you sit around as an actor and just wait on your agent or your manager to find you stuff, I mean like, yeah, if they're good, they'll, you get the auditions from them. But if you're, you have to hustle on your own, you know, yeah. finding people like, I mean, blessed to know Justin that's known him for so many years to work on so much stuff with him. And then just to have these ideas of characters I wanted to play or just kind of these, these thoughts. I mean, my first short film I did, came from a short story I wrote and a director that I really like when I posted it, he commented and he just said, when are we shooting this? I'm <laughs> like, Oh man, 
I didn't even think of like actually seeing this as a short film. And I was like, wow, that'd be a really cool kind of idea. So then I went back and I, I wasn't used to, I mean, I was just writing in like word format and like just trying to indent stuff. I didn't even have, you know, a script writing you know, software, which is free. I just didn't even know about that kind of stuff. <laughs> Caltex. Exactly. So it's like, that's what I use. <laughs> that's now. what it's I like, use too still. It's so simple, but I'm like, I'm, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of a means to an end. Yeah. So I wrote, you know, that first one and then prelude, this is, you know, my second one. Uh, and that was kind of the goal. I was like, man, I really want to see if I can write something. Number one, I wanted to show that I could play the piano. You know, it's like it's something I grew up classically trained. My mom, you know, started, she's a piano teacher. She started us in second grade. And then once we got to junior high, we, she passed us off to a more advanced teacher. Um, but I mean, I've taken piano for 11 years. And so I wanted to show it as an actor, something else in my toolbox yeah. you know, that I can do, you know, especially watching the pianist for one. And then just watching Ryan Gosling, good grief in La La Land. Just yeah, yeah. amazing, yeah. amazing work. I'm like, I'm nowhere near that, but (laughs) just to get a chance to, I'm going to write something that I can show. I played a piano. So how can I write a short story that that could fit in somewhere? And that's kind of where the idea came from. That's awesome. Like for me, if I were trying to think of what can I showcase? I'm like, I'd be like, um, I guess I can eat stuff. (laughs) (laughs) What what, what would I showcase? (laughs) I mean, Uber Eats into a short film. Uber Eats. Yeah. Um, which uh, so uh, what what uh, what kind of spurred the the narrative of this? I mean, without ruining it too much for the viewer, they could watch or the listen the viewer the listener uh, to. Oh, I guess they would be a viewer if they're going to watch this in the links. Um, yeah, but uh, tell us a little bit about the short and kind of what the what gave you the idea for it, other than the piano. Part. Um, I guess it's, it started, um, it, the writing process, I bounced it around in my head and went back and forth with a couple people with notes, Justin being one of them. And that's what I love about him as a friend. Cause he's brutally honest and yeah. will be, I mean, the first draft, he's just like, ah, oh, man, I, this is just like not strong. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. Message received. <laughs> um, but it, it was just kind of that idea. I started with a guy at a piano. It's kind of like a big party's going on and, I'm an introvert. And so I tend to parties kind of overwhelm me and I'll kind of seek out, you know, maybe a, a room to kind of like get away for a second. Yeah, so I kind way. of saw this guy that just found a piano in her room. he's out there just kind of getting away from the party and a girl comes in and sees him. She's kind of the same way. And they kind of just bond over the facts of this piano. And there's just some, you know, this narrative kind of went from there. It's, it was really cliche and not strong at all. And, and then, um, I was like, well, I'll just kind of let it sit in my head for a while and, and just kind of worked on it a little bit. And then uh, my friend, Tori Martin, who I've known for several years, I just have all, he's always gets kind of pigeonholed as a comic, you know, the punchline, the big, funny, you know, bearded, redheaded, big guy. Yeah. And I've always wanted to see him as more of a serious role. And he's a great look for that kind of therapist, you know, put some horn room glasses on him and he's just a really interesting face. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, man, what, wouldn't it be interesting if if this guy was almost not the main character of it, if it was more, maybe, maybe the therapist is kind of, you know, it's trying to take away from just putting all that weight on the main character and try to flesh it out with somebody else. And once I kind of got that idea, maybe he's talking to somebody trying to work through something. That's kind of where it started going through that rabbit hole of, Hey, maybe there's some memory loss and there's some therapy and, you know, music is such a huge connection with memory. You know, that and smell are hugely connected with memory. And so I was like, well, that'd be pretty cool if this guy knew a ton about music. Yeah. And, you know, and and so that's kind of where I ended up going with that. 
down that road of this guy who's trying to find his way out of a memory loss situation by using music to try to bring him back. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. That's Thanks. Um, well, people, uh, if, if you guys want to watch it, again, the links are yeah. in the notes. <laughs> I want to watch it. You want to watch it? You haven't yeah. seen it yet? Didn't you read the show notes? I did read the show notes, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing with you. Um, I, yeah, yeah, but you it got, got, you know, I wanted to get into Nashville Film Festival with it. That was kind of my end goal because yeah. Nashville is an Academy Award a nomination level film festival. A lot yeah. of people don't know that. If you win Nashville, you can be eligible for an Academy Award nomination. And so it's a very prestigious film festival. Oh, wow. And that was my goal to try to get in. And we did. Like we got into that. And so now it's like I'm actually going to Knoxville this weekend or whenever this podcast comes out, um, July, whatever. And what the date is right now. <laughs> the weekend following this podcast that we're actually recording this, we're going over to Knoxville for a film festival, the uh, Music uh, Scruffy City Film Music Festival, something okay, like that. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I still have it submitted to, I think, about six or seven other festivals and waiting to hear back on those two. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. That's, thank you. Thank you very much. That's awesome. It's hard to get into festivals these days. That's no easy feat. Um even online film festivals, yeah. they're getting yeah. they're getting finicky. Like I, I I've yeah, tried, they are. They you know, are. They're like hey, wait, I, I submitted to an online film festival um, uh, two years ago. I did this short with actually our friend Joe Coffee that was in in uh, Popeye, and I got this long email about why it was not appropriate for their website. Like they're like this just doesn't fit into our programming <laughs> and stuff. And I was like, I've never even gotten a response before. <laughs> it was pretty. It was like pretty humbling. Simple. No will suffice. Yeah, so. no, it's just good. It's good. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, were you were you paying for feedback or was it unsolicited feedback? That's no, I guess. Well, been. I paid for the submission, so I guess they thought they were giving me something out of <laughs> giving me oh, okay. feedback. Which I mean, I appreciate the honesty, but it was just funny that like it was like one of those things where people were like in two camps. They either really liked it and thought it was thought it was fun, or like the more artistic minded people were like, ah, this is just too cheesy. And that was, yeah. I fell into that category and they picked apart what made it cheesy, which was very humbling. <laughs> um, so you got into directing, I guess, by kind of a necessity, which I think a lot of people are doing nowadays because you want to create your own work, right? I mean, that's kind of, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, um, yeah. And, and the, the only reason like I directed prelude was more just because this was a really low budget. I mean, I had, uh, a couple people who stepped in, I pitched it to a few people I knew, um, basically asking if they would want to help fund it. And we probably did it. For, it was around $5,000, you know, and that's not a lot of money at all. Mm, you know, no. I was got very lucky. A guy that I'd worked with on a feature, uh, like a year and a half prior came down to, um, be the AC on it. He brought his own camera, which was, you know, we shot on his red, which I was planning to use my DP, you know, Andrew Bradford, who I've worked with, love him. Yeah. We shot my first short film on his C100 for people who know cameras, but and I was going to just use that. Cause he's like, I'll bring it. And then Spencer just comes in. It's like, Hey, we'll use my red. And I'm like, so it was the reason I directed was very much. I was just trying to keep small crew, make it very lean. We shot it in a day and a half. So yeah. I wanted to just keep it very small, but yeah, my next one, I'll never direct and act again. Yeah. That does not, <laughs> yeah, I did not some, enjoy that at that's, all. That's some tough stuff. Like, I mean, can you talk about that? Like what were the challenges yeah. of, cause I, I've, I've always studied like actor directors and it, it really seems to drain, you know, uh, like it, it seems to drain you mentally, physically, all that stuff. So what's the, yeah, a hundred percent. Uh, and I know there are people who do it. I mean, 
Ben Affleck, you know, writing and, you know, whatever, directing Argo and being in it, stuff like that. It just blows my mind. No. Uh, But as far as for me, because we did do it so fast, uh, um, the majority of the takes, I didn't even watch playback. You know, when Tori and I are in the room doing our conversations, um, you know, when the camera is on him. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there, I'm sitting there acting, I'm watching his performance, you know, in person, you know, from four feet away. Yeah. And at the end of the take, if I liked what he was doing, I just looked at Bradford, you know, my DP, I'm like, are we clean? You know, is like everything good with the shot? And he'd be like, yeah. yeah. And we, you know, I think the most takes we took was maybe three, maybe four oh, nice. on, on a take. And so we just, we moved quickly and I would have loved to actually be able to stand back. Like when, so there's a scene in the hallway where the girl, who knows me and I know her, but I can't remember her. There's a scene where she's talking to the therapist, Tori out in the hallway and there where I actually got to stand behind the monitor and watch them. Like that was so much better to yeah. be able to, to see what the camera was seeing. And I would have liked to have done that because that was really difficult to not have that time really, or that ability to do that. And yeah, what you were saying, um, the, the mental space, I guess, as far as an actor, it was a lot. Cause I'm thinking about all these things of the yeah. story and what you mm-hmm. need to be doing, what you need to be doing. Is this coming? Or we got this covered all the stuff. And man, my next one is like, I'm just going to show up and leave that all to somebody else. He's coming as an actor, <laughs> kind of like, like Lewis on Popeye, you know, I yeah. came in and I got to just focus a hundred percent on that character. And that's what I love to do. Yeah. I, I felt the same way too on that. Cause my background is, is more on the directing side and I've been in things that I've directed and I felt, I've, I feel the same way that stress of, of having to do both at once. It's just, I, and, and Popeye was great to, to do something where I'm like, I'm not even, I'm showing up, I'm doing my thing and I don't have to think about what the shot is. <laughs> you know, yes. If the sound yes. is good, you know, if we're losing light, somebody's <laughs> just going to tell me where to go. And then I, you know, that's, that it's, I don't know. It's hard to split. I know some people can do it. Guys like you see guys like Clint Eastwood and Mel yeah. Gibson and all yeah. those guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, and they do, and they do great performances too. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, it's amazing that they could do so much. I, I mean, same thing with you on that short film. I mean, a great performance, obviously. And just, Thank you. I mean, I wouldn't have known that you were so, uh, you know, having that battle. (laughs) Yeah, it was. I mean, I I tried once we got, you know, cameras are rolling to give myself the time, you know, to get where I needed to be, you know, for whatever the shot was doing. But yeah, to be able to focus 100% of your creative energy on a character as opposed to thinking about what the camera's seeing, what the other actors are doing, all that stuff. And then missing stuff, you know, I look at this, I look at it now and you know, it from stuff you, you shot, you get it done and you see it like, Oh man, if I had, I would have shot that differently. I would have framed that differently. I would have asked that person to do that differently. And so I just said after that, after prelude and then like getting in the edit and post-production, I'm like, no, no one's doing anything unless you're kicking the rock up the hill. You know, it's like, you have to be pushing it. I'm like, I don't want to do that ever again either. I just want to (laughs) show up. And trust that somebody else is doing that. And so after I got done with Prelude, I was like, you know, I'm I'm not going to write anything else. You know, I mean, other than I love writing fiction and poetry is kind of an outlet. But script wise, I'm like, I'm just going to take a break, not focus on it. And then about three weeks later, I get an idea for a short. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> That's what happens. It's the. Well, it's, I have to write it. So. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Um... So I have my next one written as somebody that's going to cost a lot more money. And I'm not going to I'm not pushing that at all. I'm just let that going to happen organically when it happens. All right. Let's take a quick break and uh, we'll get back to the rest of the interview. Scofflaws. I wanted to take a second to talk to you about Patreon. 
Um, now, if you've never heard of Patreon, basically it's a platform for creators, for 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 patrons who are fans of a, a, a given creator to help support their creation. So we have a Patreon page for the Gentleman's Golf Law podcast. You could support the show for as little as a dollar an episode, which is like what? It's cheaper than a, than a Starbucks coffee, right? So maybe give up uh, one. Why does everyone always do that? They say it's cheaper than a cup of coffee. Okay, what what else do you spend a dollar on? Uh, maybe uh, you know it's it's cheaper than uh, you know buying uh, you know uh, Q-tips. You know maybe you don't need Q-tips for the month. You know maybe this month you avoid Q-tips, right? I don't know. I mean, I hear they're bad for you anyway, but maybe maybe that's not true. I I don't maybe maybe don't sacrifice anything related to health. Um, for for the dollar an episode but um patreon is great because uh you the patron also gets rewards for uh joining the patreon so uh examples of stuff that we have are extended interviews and outtakes stuff that gets cut out of the episode that you don't hear for time's sake because we try to keep a tight you know entertaining show and sometimes there is some gold that doesn't make the final cut so you get to listen to some of that um also you get uh, behind-the-scenes videos, photos, and bonus episodes. For example, we did a bonus episode at the Big Shave West, um, which was a lot of fun. So more of those type of things are coming, as well as monthly live video hangouts where you can interact with us in person, which is a lot of fun. We've done a couple of of, of free ones to test it out, and it's been a lot of fun. We get to talk with uh, the listeners in real time and get to know them, and uh, they get to ask questions, and it's always a a good time. And here's the piece de resistance is... um, when we hit our, our our goal mark, we are launching a whole new movie review podcast, a gentleman's golf law movie review podcast. Since you know we're we're all of us on the show are writers and filmmakers, and that's our background. We love movies. Um, we're going to go through a catalog of what we think are either gentleman or scoff law esque movies. Um, so if you join, you'll get that show as well. Everyone who joins on Patreon at any one of the tiers, even at the dollar an episode, gets a free Gentleman's Golf Law vinyl sticker, which is super cool. It's like a full color sticker. You, could, you know, it's uh, really sticky. You could stick it on, uh, you know, anything you want to stick it on. Also, you'll get thanked on the air for your support. So check out patreon.com slash gentscofflaw, or you could go to gentlemanscofflaw.com and click the support link on our menu and it'll take you right there we look forward to seeing you on patreon and thank you for supporting the show um you you touched on you know your writing fiction and you touched on before um uh, your marriage which you mentioned in passing earlier um I didn't know this about you when we shot, but you have, and, and I've, 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 uh, I've read parts of it now, you have a book called Suddenly Single, and mm-hmm. it kind of it tells your story. I'd like to know a little bit of, about that. What's, I mean, w- what made you want to write it? Um, and I think it's, it's, it's an interesting story, so I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's out there for anyone who wants to buy it. You know, it's like my, sometimes <laughs> I'm like, man, I, sh- I shouldn't put all that personal stuff, but, uh, <laughs> you know, going through, um, you know, losing a relationship, 
Yeah. Uh, as I was going through it, I was trying to, f- I'm a big reader and I was trying to find stuff written by guys who had gone through the loss of a relationship. And I really didn't find much of anything. Um, there was a lot of really good stuff written by ladies, which I would hundred percent recommend, but I was trying to find a guy's perspective on it. Yeah. And I was like, man, there's just like a woefully inadequate amount of books about this. And, um, uh, Tori, you know, my friend, Tori Martin, who was also a writer. You know, I spent time with him when I first met him, when I moved to Nashville and, uh, I do, you know, journal some too. And especially going through all that, I was journaling more and I had, I think four or five other guys I knew personally who over the course of me going through my, you know, divorce. And then after that, some, uh, who contacted me who were going through semi or similar situations. Yeah. So they're texting and emailing and asking me, Hey, did you, experience this? How did you handle this? What did you do about this? And I'm like, man, there's, I feel like there's maybe some other guys out there who could benefit from, um, because you know, guys, we don't have a lot of personal stuff. A lot of times you just shove it down and just plow forward. It's kind of the old school mentality. Yeah. And so, you know, I was kind of talking with Tori about it and he just looked at me and said, maybe you need to be the one to write a book about it. And I was like, man, I was like, I've never written a book. I don't even know what that looks like. And so I just, I kind of, I started reading a bunch of books on how people write, you know, autobiographical stuff, you know, all those things kind of look into that. And I started writing and yeah, first couple starts, I look back at some of that stuff. It was not good at all. It was kind of this (laughs) cluster going on, but, um, kind of started finding my voice. I had a few people who were really good writers who were kind of mentoring me as we went along. Uh, Cecil Murphy who's actually a really great writer as kind of a favor to Tori. Um, came in after I had basically the whole draft done and I started sending him chapters and he, he told me straight up at the beginning, he's like, I'm doing this as a favor. He's like, I'm not going to pull punches. I'm going to, if it needs to be ripped apart, I'm going to rip it apart. I'm like, please go ahead. And he did. And so I just go back and forth and I thought he was just going to help me maybe on one chapter. And he's like, well, go and send me the next one. I'm like, okay. So we went through, (laughs) I think about six or seven chapters that way. And he said, I think you know what you need to do now. He's like, you have, you have the, the eye for it, what, you know, I would say. And so I kind of ripped apart and went through the rest of it as I went. And I wanted to keep it short, you know, cause a lot of guys aren't big readers. I wanted it to be something where, you know, it's cause you know, for an actor, you know, like a hundred pages is basically a hundred pages, you know, a movie script type thing. You could sit yeah. down and read it. People aren't big readers can, can blow through it. And it's very simple. You know, I, I look back at it now as a writer where I am now and I'm like, Oh, kind of that cringe. Like I could have written so much better, <laughs> but that was where I was at the time. And so, you know, I kind of wrote through, um, my experience and I wanted to be very respectful of her. Like I didn't ever, you know, name my ex-wife and it it happened. It was more about like after, you know, she was gone, you know, it was was my journey going through that. Um, and so that's in kind of my family. And then I focused on too, you know, it's not just divorce. It's also just losing relationships because if you live long enough, you're going to lose a relationship of some type. Yeah. Uh, my older brother and his wife lost a really late term miscarriage that was really hard. No. Uh, and then I like a grandma of mine that I was really close to watching losing her through late stage cancer, like slowly, you know, you're going to lose relationships. And that's like, how do you deal with that? Yeah. What do you do as a human when you lose a relationship? And so I wrote it and I mean, I did and I self published it on Amazon and I did an Indiegogo just raise. I think I my goal was like 14 or $1,600 oh, wow. because I was just to pay for, you know, my, my layout designer, my graphic designer who did the cover and uh, my editor. And, uh, I remember posting that I did a video, um, a friend of mine 
Paige Lynch, who's a cinematographer here in, in Tennessee, shot this kind of interview style thing. And I, I did an interview and posted the video with the Indiegogo fundraiser, launched it, and it just blew up. I mean, it, it landed on Indiegogo's homepage because oh, wow. it was trending so fast. Wow. Like it showed up as one of like the highlighted um, campaigns and it was fully funded in under 24 hours and ended up, I think, with over $4,000. Wow. And it was like, and I was getting messages before the book even went out. People were like, Oh my goodness, just what you're talking about. I can't wait to read. Or I thought I was the only one to experience these things. And it's amazing what happens when you give people permission to, by telling your own story, it yeah. gives other people permission then to tell their story. And cause they realize, Oh, you might understand. I can talk to you. Yeah. And the people that I didn't even know, you know, emailing me or messaging me and telling me their stories. I was like, I had no idea. I was going to kind of open that box, you know, letting yeah. people talk about it. So it's kind of crazy, you know, yeah. that, that it had that kind of impact. But I, I think maybe something resonated with a guy kind of opening up and letting people inside a guy's head. Yeah. You know, maybe there's something attractive about that. We're not always just like, you know, screensaver mode. There are actually things are happening once in a while inside our heads. <laughs> it's not just the dancing <laughs> monkey inside. <laughs> no, I mean, in the book, you're very candid in the book. And I, and I will say, I know you're, 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 you're kind of poking fun at yourself at the writing of what it was at the time, but it's really, it's really well-written and very poetic and very, um, it reads like a novel when you're telling your autobiography and it's like, it's, it's so it's, it's very easy and relatable to read. And like I said, you're, super candid with it, which I think is important, especially in, 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 um, in faith-based writing where you're talking about how, how, how your, your, your faith pertains to all of that you went through a lot mm -hmm. of the time, uh, Christian writers, they, t they don't a lot of the time want to deal with or, or not deal with, but, um, you know, put everything out there for a failure of seeing, seeming like they're not perfect or they don't want to, you know, encourage other people to do the wrong thing or whatever, but it just makes you more relatable and makes it more real. And uh, I, I thought it was great. Thanks. Thanks. I, I mean, I, there was that thing of what you, and I see this as an actor too. Like I don't shy away from roles that are dark or heavy or like, yeah, I would never do those things or those choices in my Isaiah Stratton's personal life, but that yeah. character, these things need to be shown in order for this to serve the story. So like, yeah. I don't shy away from those things as an actor. And I felt in my book I needed to, and again, I didn't want to be, um, you know, I guess titillating or just like over, overly, you know, sharing too much, but I wanted to be, yeah. like you said, just be truthful about the fact like, Hey, like I effed up, you know, it's like, and then you see kind of where these things lead and like, they don't really make you feel better after you do things. And like, and I wanted to show it's like, Hey, I'm not perfect. And like, that was really hard because, um, a lot of stuff in the book, my family didn't know about yeah. prior to me. Right. So, I mean, I think that, that was difficult for them, I think to read some of those things, yeah. you know, especially when you have this kind of this this mindset of you don't want people to know your dirty laundry in a way, which yeah, is why I wanted, yeah. why I wanted to handle it. But again, also be truthful yeah. and, and, and show it's like, yeah, I'm not perfect. Yeah, for sure. And, and your story is, is also helpful. I feel, I mean, it's obviously about you going subtly single, going through your divorce and stuff, but it's also helpful. I think to other people in relationships, I'm going to pull up a quote here that I thought was really good. If that's all right. Um, oh, yeah. on, uh, it says, I'll read this just this little paragraph here. It says divorce, that horrible nightmare was happening. It was happening to us and there was nothing I could do about it. Me, the guy trained to kill, to adapt, to protect. 
I was a warrior machine undone by the only enemy capable of defeating me, my own apathy. Years earlier, I had fought for and captured her heart, but over the past several months, I had rarely stepped onto the battlefield. Now it was too late. She trusted my hands to hold her, and I had let her slip away. I feel like that's super helpful because a lot of men, they get married, and they, you know, they do everything they can to win uh, to win the woman, to, to woo her and all that stuff. And then when they get married, sometimes they forget about that. And that was that, that, that hit home with me where it, it, it just struck me. I'm like, well, that's, that's super important. Like it doesn't end after you get married. And I thought it was super valuable, even if you're a married person or in a relationship that you always got to fight for that relationship. And I, I don't know, it, it struck a chord with me. Yeah. I mean, I've, I heard somebody say one time when they had found out somebody, I don't know if they had gotten engaged or just gotten married and they're like, why it was this mindset of, but why are you still we we're t- talking about going to the gym or lifting or something like that? It's like what you got or like, why do you still need, like, why are you still working so hard? Yeah. I'm like, R- really, bro? Like, I mean <laughs> I, that like, that's this, it's so disrespectful yeah. to yeah. the person that it's like, it's not like, Oh, I got you. Like I got you chained in the basement. Now <laughs> I can do whatever I want. Like that's just so, yeah. that's so horrible yeah i think that way it's, it's like guys like we're meant to pursue there's that mentality of like, okay i got her and i think that's why a lot of guys you know they end up they cheat or they go after because it's that inner thing you're always de- geared to pursue yeah and so like you just have to keep you just keep wiring that to pursue the person that you're supposed to be pursuing even if they've got this name tag of girlfriend or fiance or wife yeah like if you don't keep pursuing it's like uh, the relationship's not gonna be healthy yeah for sure. Oh, I, I think it was great, man. And people that are listening, you can get it on Amazon. It's available on Kindle, too. It's available yeah, on Kindle. Yeah. Uh, Jordan was specifically reading from his Kindle. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and Nook. If, if people if people do still do Nook, Nook I mean, apparently I think, yeah. I think it's on there. Maybe. That's still a thing. I forgot about Nook. That was like Barnes yeah. & Noble's big gamble, wasn't it? Like uh, They had like... Uh, like little nook desks in their stores, but it's, it's funny. Cause out. like my brother and I both get into tech and I feel like he got a nook and he also got a Google, uh, what's it called? A Google home. Oh yeah. And I got the Kindle and I got the Alexa and I feel like the, the you two won ones, that one. I feel like I'm winning out on the No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just joking around with him, but, uh, yeah, seriously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. <laughs> I mean, the Alexa is great. I, I, I know there's so much I could do. The only thing I have it programmed to do is, um, turn on my lights and, um, it'll play music for me. And I have nothing else that I can make it do all I ever need. <laughs> completely useless. But, uh, I know it'll be, it'll, once I figure it out, there'll be cooler things I can do with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's talk about your current projects. I mean, you were in, uh, where were you? You were, when I contacted <laughs> you for the show, you were out of the country. What were you working on? So, uh, I was in the Dominican Republic That's working right. on a film and this story is, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, <laughs> I, so I saw a casting post on Facebook, which I cannot wait for the day when I can just get off and just leave it but i still feel yeah. like i network a lot on there and i mm-hmm. you know a lot of music video work especially people have contacted me through there um but i saw this casting and it said uh caucasian male 30s prior military or law enforcement experience preferred must have valid passport 
a couple week, like good weekly rate. And I'm like, yeah. Hey, I mean like worst case scenario, I might get a paid vacation out of this, <laughs> you know? Cause yeah. I, I really don't respond to extras castings. I just don't do that type of thing. But I'm like, Hey, yeah. I haven't been on vacation and I, I can't remember how long. And I'm like, I'll just, I'll, I'll just treat it like that. Yeah. So I sent in my, they just wanted a picture and kind of your basic information. So I sent it in and they get back to me almost immediately and say, Hey, you're exactly the demographic we're looking for. Can you put yourself on tape and send in a kind of a, a little, uh, tape of what about yourself? So I sent that in, they asked if I could come down to callbacks in Atlanta and I was already booked on another shoot for that day. And so the casting director was like, Hey, can you just put yourself on tape again? Be very specific about your military experience, your stunt experience, your firearms training experience, all this stuff. So I went really into detail on all of that and they get back and like, all right, she calls me then a couple days later, I think it was like eight 15 at night. She's like, Hey, so the director loves your look and wants you to read for a principal role for a speaking role. Uh, I just sent you the sides, like the script. Uh, I need this. I need it by tomorrow. And I open, go open my emails four page scene. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll just, as, that was like as, Justin as, when he sent me the paper, it was like five pages. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> as actors do, I'm like, sure, no problem. I got this. So I spent several hours that night, you know, preparing and working on this, this scene. And taped it the next morning, sent it to her because I was tied up the next night. I'm like, I got to turn this around quick. So I sent mm. it to her. This scene is it's an FBI agent talking to his, you know, the a special agent in charge, kind of a, some type of um, thing they're working on went sideways and they're just kind of butting heads about what happened. So yeah. I taped it and I sent it back. And so she comes back again and says, okay, you're confirmed as from what you originally submitted for, you're confirmed as a featured extra but the director may make a game time decision. He loved your tape. He make him, uh, you know, when you get down here, he, we may bump you up to principal. I'm like, know. sweet. That'd be awesome if I did. Yeah. And so I, I looped my agent, which I'm with Stuart talent in Atlanta and they have offices in LA, Chicago, New York and Atlanta, but they're a great agency. So I looped her into it. I'm like, Hey, Christy, this is what's going on. Just so she knew what was happening. And she's like, wait, is this union? Like, I'm, I can't protect you if you're flying out of the country somewhere. Like, what is going on? I'm like, I really don't know, but they said it's SAG. So let's just hope it's okay. Yeah. So still flying down, not knowing who the director is, not knowing anything about it. And we got down there, um, find out we're going to Pinewood Studios. I'm like, okay, so this is legit. Uh, yeah. Pinewood Studios in the DR. Yeah. And they said, we flew in that afternoon, this afternoon, they drove us straight over there. We get to wardrobe and the wardrobe had a wardrobe says, okay, I want to see Isaiah Stratton first. Cause he's the HRT boss. And I'm like, looks like I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Cause there were nine of us guys that went down together as a pack. Yeah. And so that's when I found out they had bumped me up and oh, they awesome. gave me like pages that night. Cause we were shooting, I think the next night we were on night shoots. Oh, wow. The scene is the scene is all happening outside. So anyway, in the in the scene, the HRT, which is the FBI's hostage rescue team, it's like their top top elite guys are coming into a situation, and I was the HRT commander or boss. And so I come up and I'm interacting with the leads of the film, uh, just kind of about what's going on in the situation. And so like yeah, so it ended up I got to be down there for a week and a half and got bumped up to a principal. So I got to have, you know, speaking lines with I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say who the actors are on it yet. I, I think I may have texted you, but uh, in just in case I'm not, I'm not going to say, but it's, you know, s some people who are very recognizable in Hollywood. I'm like this is awesome. And it's yeah, a director nice. who's from Britain, so it's it's a dark comedy. I mean, oh, really. Nice. And so it's really interesting. It's funny in a kind of sad way in a lot of ways. 
uh, but it's a super interesting project. Um, no idea when it's going to come out. I heard rumors possibly late next year sometime, Okay, but you know how feature films go. Usually it's at least a year turnaround on those things. But yeah, yeah I mean, it was huge, uh, bump up, you know, to go from a featured extra to principal to have that, you know, going on the resume was, was awesome. And to get to work with these people, once I can say it, you know, I was like, man, these people are people I look, you know, like really like their work and stuff like that. And oh, to actually wow. get to hang out with them and talk with them on, you know, around set and then like have seen with them was pretty cool. Wow. That's, that's awesome. awesome man. Well, when it comes out, we'll have to have you back on uh, to, to, to promote it and talk about Perhaps it. Perhaps we'll do I mean, a, a review. Perhaps we'll do a movie review. Yeah, a scofflaw review. A scofflaw review. But what if we don't like it? Then it would be awkward. Well, we can, we can, <laughs> log, we can do like a bathroom bathroom review. Like yeah. A bathroom review. Yeah. <laughs> watch the movie in the bathroom and review it. No, or just or just do a thing where we keep running out of the movie into the bathroom and reviewing it ourselves. <laughs> it's like, okay, 30 minutes in. Pretty good. <laughs> Isaiah's awesome. Oh, well, that's awesome, man. I'm, I can't wait to see it. Um, where can people find you if they want to see your work? Yeah, so my website is just my name, IsaiahStratton.com, and it's Isaiah like in the Bible. So if you need to figure out how to spell it, just, it's in the middle of the Bible. Don't ask Starbucks baristas because they, they can't spell it as much as I love them and as much time as I spend in Starbucks. Uh, and then I'm Instagram, Twitter, uh, same thing. Isaiah Stratton's my my handle on those. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, man. We'll have you back on again when you're when, yeah, as you do more awesome. projects. And yeah. uh, we, we got to get Justin to come on too in the future. Maybe we could do a Popeye reunion. Dude, that would be awesome. <laughs> and we'll get Joe just... and Justin, and I've been trying to get him on, and he's like, sometimes he's been like, I don't know if I have anything to say. I'm like, come on, man, you're, Wait, you're a storyteller. Joe or Justin? Justin. <laughs> he, has, he has so many things he can talk about. He has so many films. He's such a great storyteller, too. I'd love oh, to have him so on. so good. All right, yeah, Justin. Oh, I mean, one, I, I have one story real quick if you want to oh, hear. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Go so ahead. going nine nine white dudes going to the Dominican yeah. and production decided to um, save a little bit of money. They needed some props sent down. So they were said, well, we'll just check a box of props with each one of you guys as you fly down because uh -oh. it'll be cheaper that way. Uh -oh. And the box, nine box of props. Yes. They're not real, but they're tactical SWAT gear. Oh no. <laughs> so you have nine white dudes going into customs in the DR with nine boxes of tactical gear. <laughs> oh no. So we sat in customs for about an hour and a half. Thank goodness two of the guys spoke Spanish in our group. But yeah, we made some new friends in the DR customs department. I'm glad we didn't have to bring them back in the States because I would I'd be like, no, no, no not going to do not it. Not even deal with it. I had a friend that that uh, traveled. Uh, actually, yeah, Brett McKay from Art of Manliness. He traveled to like a a shooting competition or something in Austin from Oklahoma. And I guess he forgot, like one of the bullets like fell to the bottom of his bag that he missed and he was held oh, over for like no. hours. So I can imagine if, you know, that's just one little bullet without a gun in the bag. Oh yeah. <laughs> what a bunch of fake I have a, stuff. I have a hard enough time trying to get barbecue sauce out of Kansas city. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, barbecue you know. bomb. Yeah. That's just cause yeah. they're, that's just cause they're Texas people and they're like, yeah. This is not yeah, real barbecue. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. take this Texas, out of here. Texas, Tennessee. You need to mail that home, man. Mail that home. Don't try to get that on plane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, man. And uh, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. Awesome, guys. Thanks. Hey, this part of the show is brought to you by Phoenix Shaving. If you like to shave, and you are a man or a woman, I mean, some some women are hairy. 
That's all right. That's okay. No judgment. But if you, uh, you're a guy that likes to shave and appreciates the finer things in life, go to gentlemanscofflaw.com slash shave. Um, that link helps support the show. And you could check out some of Douglas Smythe's amazing shaving soaps, aftershave colognes. You'll be blown away at all the stuff he has. Sense for days. He is like the Walter White of artisan soap making. He's got this lab basically there in, in Phoenix, Arizona where he uh, creates his soaps and, and he cures them. It's an independent business. You're not giving your money to all those guys that are ripping everybody off with razors. Right now you can get some wet shaving starter packs. So it has everything you need to get started wet shaving. You know, you can get a sets that have the safety razor, the brush, the soap, the aftershave. Tons of great scents to pick from. I've mentioned before, one of my favorites is Tombstone. Also, they have Sundown, which is like a classic barbershop scent. Um, they've got uh, Cavendish, which smells like, like pipe tobacco, which is amazing. I tell you, I've been using this stuff, and I don't get any razor burn or razor bumps anymore this stuff is amazing especially the aftershave it just removes all irritation bumps redness it's like i've never looked so dapper in my life and that's thanks to phoenix shaving so go to gentlemanscofflaw.com slash shave and stop being a slave to the cartridge razor shave all right um an great interview with Isaiah Stratton. We'll have to have him come back on when he doesn't have to talk so veiled about the project. Right? Yeah, I know. I'm really interested, actually, to hear about yeah, uh, I think we'll... know, who he's been rubbing uh, elbows with. Oh, elbows. Yeah, elbows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's... Uh, let's... Uh, let's... You know, we're going to do... We're going to do another giveaway this week. You know, what, you know what we're going to give away? We're going to give away something... Well, I say we. We're collaborating yeah. with Phoenix Shaving uh, to give away an aftershave and cologne from Phoenix Shaving. This week we're giving away... What are we giving away, Donovan? We are giving away sundown aftershave cologne from uh, from our friends over at uh, uh, Phoenix Shaving. Phoenix Shaving, yeah. And Good thing you remembered the I, sponsor's sorry. name. I, I saw, you know, I got thrown off. There was like, there's Crown King at the top of this. Yeah, Crown King yeah. is like their it's premium like their line. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but I will tell you, this has been the, when they sent us those samples, I took that bottle yeah. and uh, I've been using their, their, that shaving cream and uh, or the lather and this uh, aftershave and i love it it's yeah. like it reminds me of um i don't know why it's like it's it's cool because when you splash it on it remi- it, it does the scents take you back to something yeah and uh with this it takes me back to boy scout camp for some reason oh really um which was of course always a great time and uh, also uh like that um baseball bubble gum that i used to chew uh, in the dugouts of uh you know, summer baseball. So it's a very summery feel. Talking to about it. big league, big league chew. Not big league chew. It's more like double bubble, double bubble, double bubble. I can see that. And, and I think that's more of a personal thing. I don't think everybody's gonna get that bubble gum thing. It's off a, of it's, it, it's it's like a top note. Is it, that what they say? Is, yeah, that's, that's what note? it is. Yeah, but um, but I I, <laughs> I feel good after I uh, splash it on. It uh, I actually just started shaving again this last like. Uh, uh, weekend after a long hiatus yeah. and um it, it felt 
pretty freaking good to yeah. you know use their products. I, I so. like I like the way like it because it it really cools the skin when you use these aftershaves. Sure. It's got uh, uh, well you've heard the ads, but it's got alum and menthol, which it makes it cool. And I don't know about you, I don't get any razor bumps at all with after using. I like, put that on afterwards. Yeah. No issue. No, no, it's a it's a it's a smooth ride. What's another way they can support the show, John? Well, we have some awesome merch. Merch, merch is short for merchandise. What kind of merch? Uh, uh, I, we have a lot of stuff. I think my favorite is the Gentleman Scofflaw drinking glass because you know when you open your cupboard and you got a nice row of you know six of these things all lined up? Yeah. How nice would that be with the Scofflaw logo on it? They are. I, I say very exactly, and and you know what you know what's cool about those is they they're designed to have beer poured in them so that they match the logo. So when you pour your beer in them, the background is the same color as our logo background, and it really? shows up against them. Yeah, it's really? a pretty cool little thing. Yeah. Very scientific. So you can have your morning coffee in the Scofflaw mug, and you your know. afternoon cocktail in the you know Scofflaw drinking glass. And your daytime pick me up in the gentleman scofflaw flask. Exactly. There you go. Or take it to the movie theater. Nothing says scofflaw. Thank you for that reference. Gosh, everybody's referencing everything from me this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All callbacks. Lazy as hell. But, <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, nothing says scofflaw like a flask, though. I mean, yeah. there is something about it. Like I've been in a bar before, and yeah. like I'll get a coke. And then everybody's like, oh, what cheapskate is getting a Coke? And then I just whip out a flask and I just start pouring all the contents of it into this Coke. And they're like, oh, okay. This and guy you, knows and how to haul you out in handcuffs. <laughs> this guy knows like how to. Max Fisher leaving my high school. The, how to cheat the system. Um, <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like I'd be the guy ordering a cranberry juice. And then, oh, man. You, know. you know, I've seen that. The, what was the other movie I saw that in? I know Departed, The Departed. Um, he, uh, he orders a can. Oh, it's a uh, hot fuzz. He, he he always orders a cranberry juice. I and guess that's, I guess someone. that's the official drink of squares. You know, my friend, uh, um, who's been on the show, Zach Anner, I went to a concert with him this week. He always orders a Shirley Temple. Shirley Temple is a classic drink, but it th- is. but does he order it as a Shirley Temple or does he order it as a Roy Rogers? It's Shirley Temple. Okay. And okay. I'm always jealous. I'm sitting there with a beer and he's got a Shirley Temple and I'm like, I should have gone with the Shirley Temple. Shirley Temple is a <laughs> flipping tasty drink. My sister, my, my, like I remember when I was younger, like my sisters would always be going to like bartenders at weddings and be like, can I have a Shirley Temple? And I'd be like, can I have a Roy Rogers? And he'd be like, what's that? And I'd be like, uh, a Shirley Temple. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Roy Rogers is like a Shirley Temple with no, alcohol it in it. No, no. Roy Rogers is just the masculine way of ordering a Shirley Temple, but nobody knows what okay, that is. So it's for for gentlemen because that don't want to swallow their pride. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's under attack. Yeah. All right. Anyways. Well, that is it for this episode, guys. Um, John, you are a gentleman and a scofflaw, my friend. You guys, too. Donovan, you are a gentleman and a scofflaw, my friend. And ditto. All right. You guys have a great week and enjoy this little ditty by the foreman. This has been the Gentleman Scofflaw Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com. Captain says, his ass on the river, we ain't getting home if we don't break through. So damn cold, 
I can't help but see the rising shine. We got work to do. Hey!